Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... We present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here, and I am very excited to have my next guest, Ted Wynn, who writes film analysis for The Athletic. And I was out in the practice field at TCO Performance Center the other day, and a member of the Vikings organization mentioned to me that the Vikings coaching staff was impressed by an article that Ted had done and how he broke it down. And for my money, Ted, I think you do some of the best stuff out there, and you are must-read every time you put out a film piece. So first of all, there's your compliment, so you can have your ego go up a bit. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing well. I appreciate the kind words, and thank you for having me on. You have been out at Raiders camp. i got a lot to ask you about uh, to break stuff down, and I want to ask you about the Rams and RPOs and all sorts of stuff and the 49ers who are the Vikings' first opponent. Um, but you have been out at Raiders camp, and they're a team that is really intriguing, I think, to the NFL world because not only John Gruden is there and not doing my favorite thing, which is the QB camps anymore, but also they brought in you know veteran players, and they kind of became some uh, the butt of some Internet jokes about bringing in old players and things like that. What's your feel so far from being out there on the Raiders and what they could be looking at this season? Uh, definitely practice has been more intense. I mean, I, I was at a camp last, it was a little, uh, you know, the energy was kind of low. Um, coach Del Rio was, is a little more mellow, but when, you know, you're out there and coach Gruden's in charge, it's a totally different feel. He's hilarious. I mean, you can't report on things he says, uh, just because of the social media policy they have with the Raiders, but it, you know, this, uh, he just drops, uh, drops a bunch of Grudenisms, um, all the time and they're just hilarious and he's super intense. Uh, practice is structured so that it's extremely fast paced. Uh, as far as bringing the veterans, he wants to bring in a veteran presence into each film room. So, uh, that's one of the big reasons why he's, he's signing these older players. And not all of them are going to make the team. Uh, not all of them playing significant minutes, but, uh, you know, they, they do bring a, uh, a maturity to this team that they, they might have lacked last year. And he's just really trying to change the culture as cliche as that is. No, but that's a real thing, and it's something we talk about on this podcast a lot, and the culture that the Vikings have created over a few years, and having veterans in the film room is a huge deal, and that's 
you know, one of the reasons that Terrence Newman was brought in by Mike Zimmer to run film sessions with the other players on his own on their off days, they come in and have a veteran run an extra film session. So I, I totally get what you're saying when it comes to that sort of teaching from one player to the next and the value that that can bring. Uh, just with, with Gruden, he's been out of the game for such a long time, Ted. Like, do you think he's going to have some trouble adjusting, or is he just so football that he would have been paying attention to all the trends and where everything is going in the league? Are we going to see, like, spider 2 eye banana all the time still from John Gruden, or what's your expectation there of how he's going to adjust back into coaching? No, he's, he's definitely been entrenched in everything that's going on in football, you know, with all the team meetings that he has to go to for his Monday night broadcast. And just being a football junkie in general, he's just researched all these trends that are going on, the latest things in spread offense, RPOs. I know he had that segment where he, um, you know, he kind of criticized RPOs for being a ridiculous pass protection offense. But um, I saw him run some RPOs in camp, and uh, I think that he doesn't like RPOs where you're attaching a five, seven step concept to a run concept because it takes too long. Mm-hmm. But, you know, regular RPOs when you have bubble screens or quick concepts that you can throw right away, he's in, he's in favor of those. So I think what he's doing is very modern. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't incorporate technology into, you know, practice despite what people think. Uh, he just has like all these ideas that he gets from his, you know, 10 years of research or however long it was. And he's just kind of picking and choosing what he feels like uh, fits best with his team. You know, we have helmet cameras on uh, certain players so they can study what those players are seeing. Uh, he talked about Tom Shaw's strength conditioning coach uh, tracking movement so they know how much a player is exerting and when they need to rest and that kind of thing. So I think people are kind of thrown off by that 1998 comment he made at the Combine. Yeah. But he does incorporate a lot of modern things into his practice and his playbook. I'm really glad that that's the case because that was my read on his comments at the Combine were why should John Gruden tell us all everything he's thinking about using technology and analytics and whatever else it might be that we kind of push these people into a, a, a tough place where we say, are you using analytics? And if they say, no, we're not, even if they are then everyone's going to make fun of them and say, why aren't you using analytics? And if they explain everything they're doing, then they're just letting the whole world in on their secrets. And these teams are so obsessed with keeping things in-house. Why would you want mm-hmm. to have that out there? And and just, I really like John Gruden as an analyst on TV. And when he did the Brett Favre thing, uh, I forget what year it was, when he sat down with them for an hour and they went over tape, RPOs were one of the things that came up so that comment kind of threw me off because they were going over uh, these different run pass options that you know Brett Favre used to use. And that's where I want to go with this, Ted, and why I really wanted to talk to you because the RPO has just been the whole thing we've heard about every segment on NFL Network of like, oh, teams are using these now and how are they going to stop the Eagles? This isn't really a new thing with the RPOs. In fact, I remember covering a game in which Jeff Toole threw a pick six against the Kansas City Chiefs where he probably should have handed it off instead of passed. And uh, that cost the Buffalo Bills a game when somehow Jeff Toole ended up having to start. Um, but anyway, can you kind of explain where we're at, though, with RPOs and why they are being talked about so much now? Is it just because of the Eagles or is this really a trend that's changing in the league? 
Uh, I think it's a trend. Uh, but it's like you said, it's been around for a long time. It's been around in college football for a long, long time when Chip Kelly was there. In you know, I'm sure different teams ran it before Chip Kelly. Uh, it became a, a big staple of a bunch of high school offenses just because they're very simple to read. I think I think um, a reason why they're, they're gaining so much popularity is because it's so easy to understand, and that's one of the reasons why it's so effective at the same time. You know, all you're doing is isolating a defender. You're not blocking him, and you're reading him. If he if he you know plays a run, you throw the ball. If he drops back, then you hand off the ball, and you have a numbers advantage. Uh, so you know, a lot of people can understand that concept, and a lot of, you know, which means that a lot of people are going to write about it, and a lot of people want to read about it. And obviously, with the Eagles being so successful using RPOs as you know a, a, a good chunk of their offense, um, it's going to keep gaining popularity. But a pet peeve of mine is if you keep uh, announcers that keep getting RPOs and play actions mixed together. They're not the same thing. They're two different things. So, going back to the Eagles and the NFC Championship game. That is where Minnesota Vikings fans became super familiar with the RPO as the Eagles lit them up for 38 points. What did the Eagles do with them that made them so successful against a great defense, the defense that ranked number one in the NFL in yards and in points? What was it that they executed so well about those RPOs that had the Vikings defense thrown off completely? Well, a common answer to uh, defending RPOs is playing straight man coverage, bump and run, because then you don't have a conflict defender. You don't have a guy playing zone that has to play uh, uh, like the A-gap and then drop into an inside wall zone. If you just play man coverage, every receiver is accounted for. You're disrupting the routes, and that's it's usually a good answer. But uh, Doug Peterson you know, is a very creative coach, and he came up with a bunch of man-beating RPOs where he's combining pick plays with uh, the run pass option. And that was extremely effective for the Eagles, and they, they got a bunch of big plays out of that. And when you play man coverage and when you have to play a lot of man coverage, you leave yourself open to deep passes. And as you remember, the Eagles were able to take advantage with uh, a bunch of deep passes. Yep, and they have the best offensive line in the league, so Nick Foles had plenty mm -hmm. of time to uh, have his wide receivers get open. I remember one specifically – uh, one of the pick plays where Mac Collins kind of sticks his back end out to kind of impede the progress of Harrison Smith. I remember going back and looking through that game at the different ways that the Eagles schemed the Vikings, and there was a lot of creativity there. And I think this year we're going to see a lot of people steal that same stuff. But, you know, Mike Zimmer is 62 years old, and in the NFL is a successful head coach because he has adapted – from every era to what offenses were doing to beat defenses. So now you mentioned, okay, they're, if they play straight up man, then they're going to get beat by some of the things that Doug Peterson did. Where do you think the adjustment is? And let me tell you my quick, what, what I would be thinking as a, as a coach is, all right, if you want to run the football to win, go ahead, run all day. I'm going to stop all those passing plays instead because it just running is a less efficient play. And I know that nobody wants to have the ball run down their throat, but if you're getting five yards a run, that's still way worse than getting eight yards a pass. Yeah, and um, it's it's difficult because if you're getting the ball ran on you every play, and you're you know you're getting an, an offense is getting second and five or you know second and four, that just opens up the entire playbook for them. And 
you know, obviously you, you want to stop the pass, but at the same time, you don't want to make the run game efficient. You know, yeah, right. it's fine if they get like a big chunk, but if you're stopping them at, for, you know, one or two yards and then, uh, they might get a five yard play or something, that's, that's okay, but it, it's about efficiency. If you could stop the run game from being efficient and get them into some second and nine situations and that kind of thing, then you're better off than, uh, what you said, just giving up, uh, big pass plays. So what is it, what is the answer for, you know, a team of the Vikings that has so much talent? I mean, uh, so far in training camp, we've seen them have Anthony Barr work in, in five-man fronts sometimes. I don't know if that's an answer because, you know, no one's really going to come over to the sideline and say, hey, this is what we're working on to stop RPOs. Um, but as far as trying to pressure the quarterback, right, like it, it, that's one of the major advantages of the RPO is usually it's a really quick pass and you don't get time to get pressure on the quarterback. I guess I'm just really thinking about all the different ways that Mike Zimmer could potentially scheme up to try to stop these teams who are going to try uh, to run things that the Eagles did against them last year in that game. Yeah, so so with RPO, there's two different type of reads. There's a pre-snap read and a post-snap read. For pre-snap reads, the quarterback is counting how many guys are in a box. Um, if there are too many guys in a box, then he'll, he might throw a bubble screen and he'll make that decision before the ball snap. And with, with those kind of reads, you can mess them up by lining up in, um, you know, a soft box to begin with and then bringing the guy in extremely late right. into the box. So that way you have a numbers advantage and the quarterback already made a decision. Uh, so you could do that kind of stuff playing around pre-snap movement on the uh, defensive front and secondary. Um, and as far as the post-snap read, uh, when you're reading, uh, when a quarterback's making a post-snap read, it's always, almost always the will linebacker. So he's reading the will linebacker's moving. If the will linebacker is moving towards the run, then he'll throw a like a slant or a seam behind him. And if he drops back, then he'll just uh, the quarterback would hand the ball off, and the offense would have a numbers advantage. So things you could do with that is you could you know you could blitz the will linebacker and have a defensive end drop back and take his place instead, and force the quarterback to uh, make a make a pass read, but then drop somebody into his place. Right. So there's a bunch of little things that college defensive coordinators have tinkered around with that Zimmer could, you know, probably study or he probably has a bunch of contacts with college coaches that have dealt with RPOs and study what they're doing and kind of incorporate them into uh, his defense. Yeah, that's a that's a thing that I know for sure because he's talked about it that Zimmer does every year is goes around and meets with a bunch of different coaches and gets their advice. I mean, last year in the off season he had gone through some things with the locker room and, and went around and, and met with a bunch of different head coaches that had experience and listened to them talk about, you know, what they learned over their first couple of years. And, and that might be a thing that he does. And again, one of the reasons that he's one of the best coaches in the NFL is because he never is complacent. He never stops trying to solve the problems that offenses present. But that, and, and excuse me if I use the, the wrong term here, but the idea of like a robber, is really interesting to me of making it appear as if one guy is going to be in an area and then have someone else slide into that spot. Because what I see working all the time is is the, the, the combination of a slant and a flat, and then the quarterback could just decide, or a, or a bubble screen. But I feel like there would be a way to bait them in to trying to throw that slant and have somebody kind of step into that spot if you can anticipate it. But then, Ted, you're spending a lot of time on focusing on baiting them into one specific play, which kind of opens up a lot of other things if a team is executing mm -hmm. those RPOs, right? 
Yeah, but that's that's the cat and mouse game you got to play. You know, you you take away one thing, you're going to open up another thing. But hopefully, you call your bait at the right time, and they don't call their counter to your bait at the right time. And that's that's just a general you know strategy chess match that you have to uh, deal with in the NFL. So going to the other side of the ball with the Vikings, um, you wrote a piece a while back about Kirk Cousins and some of the things he does well. Now the offensive line is dinged up. So Nick Easton is out for the season, and they're kind of scrambling here. Is it going to be one of the other guys on the team already? Are they going to go to the free agent market? Are they going to try to make a trade at some point? If an offensive line is dinged up, Ted, and you have good weapons everywhere, are RPOs a thing that we could see the Vikings use a lot because of that? Or do you think that they're also demanding on an offensive line? Because Philly was so good up front, they could execute them. No, they're definitely, uh, they're, they're, they could definitely help out offensive line because in the run game, you know, if you execute it right, you are creating a softer box for your offensive line to run block in. So just less people to block. And that helps them out, obviously. And you're not pass blocking, so uh, when you're run blocking, defensive linemen are they aren't flying upfield or rushing at your quarterback. They have to play their gaps, and that helps out a little bit because uh, helps out the pass blocking because uh, they're staying at the line of scrimmage, and the quarterback just has to make a quick decision. They don't have all the time in the world, but they at, they'll at least have that first uh, second or two to make their read and get rid of the ball. Uh, rarely in RPOs you see a quarterback get charged at unless it's a RPO that involves a longer route, which I don't like as a strategy. And we don't, we don't see that much at the pro level. And with Cousins, and when you studied him, what was the number one thing that you liked about him and number one thing that you thought could be an issue? Uh, he's an extremely, extremely intelligent quarterback. You can see him, you know, checking into plays. Uh, he's responsible for the protection. Uh, he rarely makes a bad coverage read. So he's extremely intelligent. And, uh, we kind of talked about this before, but he, he's able to stand, stand in the pocket and, uh, you know, get hit and still make throws at the same time. That's also a weakness of his because mm-hmm. there's times where he's too oblivious to the pressure and doesn't know when he needs to just take a sack or step up a little bit. Um, and that kind of thing. Well, I wanted you to reiterate that just because we've been talking about it quite a bit with this offensive line issue, and they will be working to solve that. Plus, if people missed the time that you were live on the air, it's in the Purple Podcast feed. I threw it in there because it was such a great breakdown of what Kirk Cousins does well. Uh, so you, you're covering the Raiders at training camp, but also you keep your eye on the San Francisco 49ers. That's the Vikings' first opponent. Uh, they are kind of like the hot team. I think them and the Chicago Bears are the teams that weren't great last year that everyone's saying, okay, well, they could be really, really good this time around. What is your take on the legitimacy of Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC West? Uh, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a real deal. Um, he's just so, so accurate. He has so many good traits. He can make plays outside the pocket as well. Uh, his one weakness though is the deep ball. His, um uh, he can throw it, but it's, it could be a little inconsistent at times. Um so one thing that I'm curious to see is what, what's gonna happen if defenses really challenge him to throw that deep ball mm-hmm. and, you know, play a lot of bump and run and take away those short passes. Can he make those passes that, you know, Nick Foles made in the NFC Championship game? Uh, we'll see. I think that's what the Vikings are gonna do. They, they have those corners now, especially with, Mike Hughes, and I hear that Hughes is doing pretty well in camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right. if you add, 
yeah, and if, if he lives up to the hype, then that's another bump and run corner you have right there. And, um, you know, that will allow Mike Zimmer to play a little more cover one. And anytime you have the ability to play cover one with solid corners across the board, you're going to be a pretty dangerous defense. So, uh, I, I just want to see how he's going to re, uh, react to defense corner now having film on him and being able to adjust to his game. And spoiler alert, I'm doing a piece on Xavier Rhodes and, and what makes him so good at man press coverage and also the Vikings wide receivers at, at getting off the line. But that could be uh, pretty relevant then, it sounds like, in week one. The other question I had for you about Vikings opponents, because you did such a great piece looking at Wade Phillips' coverage. And it's just, it's, it's fascinating that you, know, you got older coaches here that stay in the league and they adapt and they make changes to what they do. Wade Phillips is like the prime example of this uh even though he runs some of the same stuff he's still a 3-4 guy that what was really interesting about your piece is that he'll have different coverages on each half of the field uh can you explain how good the Rams defense could be and how Wade Phillips maximizes the, all the talent that they have now after they've picked up Aqib Tlaib and Dominican Sue and so forth yeah it's funny uh Wade Phillips actually one guy that doesn't really change the way he does much. And he's, his, as far as defensive philosophy and calls, he's actually one of the more simpler coaches in the league. He keeps things simple, but his guys are always so well coached and they're always in the right place. Um, but, um, you know, as far as having two coverages on the same field, uh, yeah, that's his, his cover four defense where, you know, he'll have quarters on one side, the weak side of the field, and he'll have, um, cover two on one side. Uh, and the, I think the Rams defense, they have a lot of talent, but they also have some questions as well. Uh, obviously having Dominican Sue and, uh, Aaron Donald inside pending that contract extension is going to be extremely dangerous because it's very hard to double team two guys inside. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's going to be extremely tough for offense to deal with. And I really want to see that happen. So hopefully he signs that contract, but maybe after week one, after they play the Raiders. Uh, but they don't have <laughs> edge rush. You know, edge rushers are very questionable. They don't have any established edge rushers. Uh, as far as inside linebackers, Mark Barron is a converted uh, safety who's playing uh, linebacker. He plays it well, uh, but he's probably their best inside linebacker right now, which isn't um, a great thing for the Rams as far as run defense. I think their, their defense could be really great. They could be maybe top five if the offense keeps scoring points and they force uh, they force opposing offense to pass the ball mm-hmm. because I think they, they might be, have some weaknesses in the run game just because of the depth on the defensive line, uh, especially with the edges and, uh, the inside linebacker core isn't great. So with, with Phillips ad- adapting, I watched a really cool YouTube video with him. I don't know from what year. I couldn't even tell you. He was talking about like Ricky Jackson at this time and Bruce Smith. So it was like going back, but he was talking about uh, with his three, four defense, how with each individual player, he would tweak their alignment. He would tweak their mm-hmm. technique in different ways for each player. And he went from every different position and said, you know, when I had Ricky Jackson on the outside, he was a little lighter, but he was a little faster. So we would move him a little more outside and we would ask him to do different things, beat guys around the edge. But when we had Bruce Smith, he would line up a little more inside and things like that. I mean, it was, it was super fascinating to listen to him talk about that. And you get the idea that he does it the right way as far as like how coaches should approach it. It shouldn't be you player mold yourself to what I need you to do. It should be more of how can we maximize everything you do? And it seems like Wade Phillips does that really well. 
Yeah, totally agree. That's one of his greatest strengths is being able to recognize what his players' um, strengths and weaknesses are and put them in a position where they're using this strength and they could hide their weakness a little bit. Uh, so that's something he's definitely been extremely good at throughout his career. Ted, before I let you go, I'm not going to force you to make a prediction because you're not that kind of guy. You're, you're the uh, you're the analytical. You're going the uh, in the lab, break down the tape guy. You're not the hot take guy. But your expectations for the Vikings, I, it'd be interested to just hear someone from kind of the outside view because we have been going back and forth in this all off season where there are some signs that point to regression. It's very hard to repeat a 13 win season if you don't have Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. But also, when you go position by position, aside from the offensive line, this team is really stacked with now an established quarterback who's thrown for 4,000 yards three years in a row, but it's a very tough schedule, a very tough NFC. How do you see their season playing out? Um, so I can't, I can't really make a season record prediction because I haven't really taken a close look at their schedule Predictions, yet. Predictions, Ted, uh, I need them. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, but the, you know, the, they went 13 and three last season. 13 and three is just, it's hard to go 13 and three two years in a row. Uh, it's very hard to do. Um, you could still be a very good team and not go 13 and three in, a, in the NFL. And, uh, they, you know, the, the Vikings just have, Blue chip players all over the place. Um, unfortunately, like you said, their offensive line has taken a hit, but they have a, a good, smart quarterback. They have uh, a really offensive coordinator. That I'm a big fan. Those dangerous outside receivers are going to. Um, sorry, can you hear me? Yep, yep. You kind of you kind of went out a little bit as you were talking about John D. Filippo. Start there. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. So I'm a big fan of John DiFilippo. Uh, I think the combination of him, Kirk Cousins, and those dangerous receivers on the outside, Dalvin Cook, they're going to – you know, maybe if the offensive line is really bad, um, I think with all those skill players, they could still move the ball and be a good offense, maybe not the top offense in the league. And then, obviously, you have Mike Zimmer and his dangerous defense. They're going to make plays and keep the score low. Uh, so I think they're going to be a really good team. I mean, even if they don't go 13-3, I can see them going 11-5 easily. Can you explain Spider-2-Y Banana? <laughs> Spider-2-Y Banana is just a simple uh, two-back play-action play uh, where the fullback's in the flat. The banana is a corner route from the Y, which is a tight end. Uh, first option is always to hit the flat. Uh, you just kind of check uh, if that corner route is open. It's called an alert route. But if not, you just go down to the flats, and if not, you have a drag them on the backside. One, first of all, that's incredible, the way you just did that. Second of all, it's my favorite moment of John Gruden QB camp, is him yelling at Andrew Luck, you always throw to the fullback at Spider-2-Y Banana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, he's almost always open. If you're running the ball well, he's almost always open. He's always open, that fullback on Spider-2-Y Banana. So, uh, well, that was, uh, that was like excellently done. I should just come up with all sorts of concepts and be just like, all right, Ted, go. Um, well, anyway, Ted, it's awesome to have you on, and I suggest people, if you subscribe to The Athletic, then make sure you check out um, Ted's work. You are at FB underscore film analysis. What's, what's with the underscore, Ted? No underscores. Get rid of the underscore. It's just, you know, too, just I, too hard. I'm, I'm, uh, I've, I've weird tendencies. I just felt like it had to be there. <laughs> you know, the analysis. 
You know what that is, Ted? That's people who grew up with like AOL Messenger, and you type <laughs> in your name, and someone already had it. So someone went like, "Oh, just use one of those underscore things." That's that's what it is. It's a generational sure. thing. Um, I Five weird random numbers at the end of my uh, <laughs> yes handle. yes exactly the random numbers on my AOL messenger name were fifty one seventy six just totally plucked out of complete air <laughs> anyway um so follow Ted at FB underscore film analysis great stuff and you are my go to guy when I need to try to understand something's going on in the field and we will absolutely be talking to you again throughout the season so thanks a lot Ted. Appreciate it, as always, and thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 3. It was my first time traveling alone. Packed my car with hiking boots, a camera, and my dog, Randy. I don't know what I was searching for. Maybe it was something new with adventure. Maybe it was the idea of vacation I would never expect, filled with wildlife, national parks, rivers, Whatever it was I set out to find, it was all there and more. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.